the Askell Primary Leaders Podcast with Tiff Harris. Hello and welcome to another Primary Leader Podcast. I'm Tiffany Harris and I'm the Primary Specialist here at the Association of School and College Leaders. Thank you for listening. Today I'm joined by not one but three speakers and we're going to be talking about that link from primary into secondary and how students can best be supported in reading as they move into key stage three. Now I know that this is called Primary Leader Podcast but we get asked that lots about how people can be best supported as they move and transition between primary and secondary, especially when it comes to reading and literacy. We also have a lot of listeners who are part of multi-academy trusts that have primary and secondary in there. So I'm hoping this will be quite useful for you today. Also on reading, we're going to be discussing today how schools can continue to respond to the reading needs of their young people. And we're also going to talk a little bit about SEND support. So without further ado, I would like to introduce from GL Assessment, Helen Robinson, Georgina Cook, and Emma Dibden. Hello to you all. Hello. Hi, Hi good morning. Good morning. So let's start by having a short introduction from you all. Now I know what you all do and who you are but for our listeners just a short introduction to what you do who you are maybe a little bit of your background and context and I'm going to go Helen first then Georgina and then Emma so Helen Robinson from GL Assessment over to you first hi Tiff um, thanks very much for the intro um, I completed a PhD in cognitive neuroscience before heading into teaching I was a secondary science teacher in the Midlands, trained through Teach First, and then joined GL initially as an education advisor working in schools across the country, mostly uh, supporting with, with data in some kind of way. Um, so that, that really brought together my two backgrounds, sort of heavy data handling through the PhD and then my teaching experience in schools. I now work with schools across the world as head of customer experience. So I'm helping ensure schools have everything they need to use their assessments smoothly for maximum benefit, and that schools are provided with high quality, reliable support every step of the way. That's great. Thank you, Helen. Georgina. Hi, Tiff. Thank you. Um, so my name is Georgina. I have been a teacher for over 20 years before joining GL about 18 months ago. Um, and my background is an English secondary school teacher, but I did work for a trust that was an all through trust. And the role I held there was leading English and literacy across that trust. So dealing a lot with primary and secondary transition there. And when I joined GL, I joined GL as an education advisor, as Helen said, working with the MAP team and really helping to support trusts and schools to ensure they made the most of their data. Obviously, with my background, a lot of that was about reading and how to support trusts in their literacy and their reading strategies. And I also work with one of our partners, um, Whole Education on their Words for All project. And that's really about giving that focused mentoring to schools to support them in making sure that they are confident in their data and they know what kind of support and intervention to put in place to make those kind of maximum benefits to their students. Um, and then more recently, and Emma will say the same as this, Emma and I have been privileged enough to now work with our product team at GL. We are officially called assessment owners, which is very exciting and very new to us. But what that means is that we are really here to listen to our um, schools and listen to our teachers about what how they're finding um, assessments like the NGRT. 
and um, making sure that they are fit for purpose, that they have, they're providing them with what they need. So I'm really excited to start that new venture. And I'm looking after the NGRT, the progress tests, um, and the NGST, so the spelling test as well. Thank you. Georgina and I haven't really spoken to you before so it's an absolute pleasure to have you and your experience and knowledge is going to be very very welcomed in this podcast today so thank you for all you're doing to support schools and school leaders right now. Emma over to you. Hi good morning to uh, so as Georgina said I'm uh now one of the assessment owners with a responsibility for looking after the cat for and the pass uh, but joined GL a couple of years ago as an education advisor and Georgina and Helen have described what that role involves mm-hmm. but before joining GL I, I was a, a Senko and a head of inclusion so sort of responsible for the strategic journey of inclusion within the schools uh, and, and those sort of areas remain uh, uh, of personal and professional interest so mm-hmm. I'm really privileged to work across the company have conversations with colleagues and with schools, trusts, etc., on some of our SEND uh, assessments and the way that they can be used to impact uh, those students who need some additional support. So, you know, very excited to be able to sort of work alongside Georgina as we think about reading and what those next steps might be. And I know that's something you said we're going to have a chat about today. So that'd be great. And again, Emma, I've not really spoken to you very much before, so thank you for all you're doing. And I really hope that today is going to be very useful for many of our listeners. Okay, then let's have a little chat about things, stuff that you're doing and information that might be able to help some of our listeners. And I'm going to start with Helen, if I may. Helen, can you tell us how are schools using GL assessment data to help ensure students are supported throughout Key Stage 3? Good question. So lots of schools use CAT4, uh, Cognitive Abilities Test, generally as a a baseline in Year 7 and then again in Year 9. Many also use PASS, our Pupil Attitudinal Survey as well. So whilst PASS offers insights into people's perceptions of themselves um, as as learners and how they feel about their school environment, CAT4 assesses the four main types of ability known to make a difference to learning and achievement. And it often reveals really well hidden strengths and weaknesses in in these areas that you simply wouldn't know about without CAT4. So it can really help schools understand how their students sort of think and process information which obviously impacts on learning in every classroom, in every subject. So it's relevant right across school. Um, Our recent transition survey, which you and I have discussed previously um, on a a previous podcast, showed that uh, teachers and senior leaders doubt the reliability of of SATS data. And we do find schools like using CAT for key transition points like this because it's so reliable and robust. They can trust the assessment, they can trust us as the assessment provider. It provides so much more than indicators though. So if you are listening to this and you're using CAT4, but currently mainly just looking at either the sort of key stage two or GCSE indicators, you're missing a huge amount of value and we'd really love to help you get more from that amazing data. So so please do get in touch. Um, That's great, Helen, because 
we're having a lot of inquiries from our members at the moment about key stage two and also being asked by our primary leaders about um, whether or not to what extent the value of passing that information on I mean, we've had a few years without key stage two data and I think in that time school leaders at secondary school have, have not had that information whether or not they thought it was useful or not they've not had it and they've had to find other ways and that's what we were talking about isn't it about you know, other ways that are um that could plug that gap but perhaps give a lot more information to to those schools that have previously used key stage two sats data and have not been really happy with how that um, has panned out exactly i, I think for a, a lot of reasons um, many schools tried cat four for the first time when they were lacking their key stage two data during the pandemic um, but equally, like I say, actually, it's so much more than that. And if, mm. if you are only using the indicators, then you are missing a huge amount of value that that rich data set could be providing. Um, and I'll obviously share some ways that you yeah. can get in touch with us later on. Um, so, yeah, as I say, anyone listening who that applies to, please do get in touch. Um, the, the last thing I'll add on, on how schools are, are using GL assessment data to help ensure that, that pupils are supported through Key Stage 3 um, one of the best things a school can do with their data is to ensure staff can learn from the insights and consider how that data applies to their classroom. So uh, the new GL data dashboard has really helped schools using more than one assessment, not only join the dots between those data sets, but also ensure that staff right across school can access and engage with the data from the assessments they're using. Um, and we find that quite a key component as well. That was really, really useful. Thank you so much for that, Helen. Um, Georgina, I've got a question for you next, and I want to talk about some of the key trends over the last few years in reading. So let's go, let's go from data now and transition, and let's just move seamlessly onto reading. And um, it's how far schools recognise the importance of reading, and how are schools continuing to understand and respond to the reading needs of their students? Yeah, hi Tiff. So obviously, as I said, my background is in English and as an English teacher at heart, I, I'm kind of loath to describe it as a trend, but I definitely, you're right, I have noticed a, a huge shift in thinking. Um, I think things like the EEF guidance reports um, all the way through from early years to secondary and the most recent DFE Ofsted guidance, um, now the whole school is reading, if anybody has read that, obviously mm. from, um, I think that was October last year. Yes, that, it was, yes. Yeah, so that's definitely allowed some really interesting conversations to happen in terms of the focus on a very um, kind of looking at a more tailored approach. And that's how the DfE described that now, um, making sure that schools are aware of baseline data, but they also have a really informed way of, of providing that tailored approach to students to in this case, focus on improving reading for young people. Mm. Um, and we all get it, don't we? We all understand how fundamental reading is to a young person's life chances. You know, we've always known that, that's nothing new. Um, and we know that when children learn to read fluently and with automaticity, that they can access and understand text independently. And that's that's the crucial change, I think. Um, when I learned to read, when I was in school all those years ago, you know, we definitely have shifted that pedagogy and that idea from learning through sight words to teaching that alphabetic code phonetically. And the whole reason why we've done that, haven't we, is to ensure that students can learn how to read phonetically so that they are able to access text independently without that adult support or those mm. 
you know, key texts with colour codes and things that they needed. And that's been crucial, I think, in terms of teachers understanding as students have moved through key early years all the way through to key stage three, that if they don't have that phonetic awareness and that phonetic knowledge, we need to ensure that we provide that to them so that they can have those fundamental basics in terms of their literacy skills. And Georgina, now more than any other time, that, that link between key stage two and key stage three is so important, isn't it? You know, to build on what primary schools have been doing and then to pick that up now, as you've said, you know, key stage three and, and keep that going. It's, it's very important to secondary schools now as well, isn't it? Definitely, because, you know, I, so at secondary, I was secondary trained. No one ever taught me how to teach a child to read. Mm. I've got three children of my own and, and that's been where I've learned that kind of system, I guess. And when I work with um, colleagues in Key Stage 3, and even, to be honest, in the upper end of Key Stage 2, you know, that we, we understand how to teach the inference of um, yes. and the mechanisms and, you know, how do we look more deeply into a text? How do we make those inferences? But not about those um, kind of cognitive steps in order to aid, enable students to understand that alphabetic code. Because usually we expect that level of accuracy by the age of six. And research shows that a really strong correlation between reading accurately at this age and then having success in later life um, and also having that well-being. Um, and there's been lots, lots written about that, hasn't there? So reading is really a powerful lever to academic outcomes, but also to well-being. And that's why we are now definitely shifting. And I've seen that in the last um, few years into understanding that actually it's our duty to understand that phonetic code and how to support students in that. And that's not just SEN specialists, that is working all of us together so that we understand the needs of our pupils and we can provide them with that support, either through SEND, through interventions, through things going on outside the classroom, but ultimately in the classroom. Um, I think one of the most shocking statistics that I saw, um, which is actually from 2014, so it's nothing new, but that actually one in four students sitting in your classroom cannot even read the text that you're presenting to them. So as a key stage, upper key stage two, key stage three teacher, when we are giving them texts that probably have reading ages of 14, how many of our students actually are sitting there looking like they're fine, but they're not even understanding what the teacher is. They can't read the text, never mind understand what the teacher's mm -hmm. asking them to do with it. So thank you for that, Georgina. I, I just want to know a little bit now about NGRT. You have mentioned it before, you've mentioned it outside this meeting. I've got to put my hand up here now and say that for a long time I knew about NGRT and used it, never really understood what those initials stood for. And what I would like to know now is how is it being used in schools, what those initials stand for, and how it can benefit school leaders in 2023 and beyond. Okay, yeah, so um, the NGRT or our new group reading test then is there to help schools to understand um, and more crucially to respond to the reading needs of their students. Because if we want to ensure that every child is reading at that expected age or above, we need to be much sharper, don't we, in how we go about Absolutely. it. So this is all about you know, giving schools that data so that they can be more deliberate and, and focused in their intention. Um, and we all know that reading is not a bolt-on. We, we know that now, it is centre stage of every school or academy's trust strategy. And the schools we work with at GL, I can, I've definitely seen a kind of growing in confidence and skill when using the detail of the NGRT to ensure teachers are informed in supporting students. So the new group reading test, just to go back a step for anybody that isn't using it, hasn't heard of it before. Yeah. It, it's a, an adaptive test, which if you take it digitally, can be used from the age of seven. 
we do have paper formats of this that you can use earlier than that. But actually, the digitally adaptive test is probably better at trying to provide that insight into a student's reading strength and challenge mm. because the questions adapt to need. Um, and in the reports, what you get is reading age. Um, and lots of schools use that. And it, it does allow you to look at where students sit in terms of expected performance. But um, although it's a useful marker, it's not probably that useful if you want to look at progress. Okay. Because reading ages are actually measured at fixed intervals, or they're not measured at fixed intervals, sorry. Um, so the difference between the reading ability of a child between six and seven, for example, at primary okay. is much larger than when you're looking at the difference in ability between a child that's, say, 13 or 14. Okay. So if you want to measure progress and you want to more effectively track performance, then what we advocate you use is our standard age score, or in the reports, as we refer to it, is our SAS score. And what that does is it measure, measures a student's performance against a standardised sample. And okay. with the NGRT, that's over half a million pupils. And we're always looking at 100 being the mean point. And that's the same with the CAT4 and all our other assessments that we use. So we try to make that um, comparable across those, across those assessment points. And the NGRT, probably um, more crucially, actually, and much more usefully, also provides a breakdown in terms of um, scoring for decoding and vocabulary. So we've definitely heard a lot more about this simple view of reading the last few years, haven't we? That's mm. in kind of all the documentation that I mentioned at the mm. beginning, the DFE guidance and everything. And that's about understanding a student's journey from being able to decode all the way through to being able to understand, to comprehend. Okay. So where the NGRT can be really useful for schools here is that you get that personalised assessment and an, an understanding of where students are in that journey, where they are in that simple view of reading. And scores, students, sorry, that don't actually even access the comprehension section will also get a phonics score. Again, the test will adapt. So um, you really do get lots of information there. And going back to the question where we talk about how schools, how we've seen schools respond. Yes. I guess the, the best ways that I've seen schools respond to the NGRT assessment most more recently is when the leaders in school use that nuanced data between decoding and comprehension to really understand students need and then they use that data to really simplify the support routes available so that it's clear for all staff everybody that's you know teaching so that's getting into the classroom um, and where reading attainment and send leads work together that's where we see it being the most powerful that they triangulate that data from assessments like the NGRT, from CAT4, from PASS, um, and the more specialised SEND assessments, which Emma will talk about in a moment, to really map out that support so that they're working together in their expert knowledge and fields to provide children in the, their care the very best possible routes for learning. And obviously being in a school, they're understanding the context, they understand their children, and they can use that really in terms of what we refer to as our whole pupil view, where we're using the assessment, what we know about a child, to provide them with that level of support and I guess this is the focus for all leaders in schools isn't it both primary and secondary at the moment is how can they really tackle all of that information and really help all teachers to understand the needs of their students so that they know how to support that need so that students can move forward and make progress and that's I guess why it's hugely vital that something like the NGRT is used to baseline and track reading needs of students so that school leaders can be armed with that knowledge so that they can support their staff to understand what they can do about it, what they can do next, 
And the ability, I guess, to have such a sharp laser focus, which is where we started with why the NGRT is great, um, has really, you know, we've kind of seen some really good examples and there's there's lots of case studies and there'll be more to come in on our website that you can have a look at how schools are using this to make really huge steps, actually, in school performance in terms of their reading. Georgina, that's really, really thorough and very, very detailed. And I'm really very grateful for that information. Um, because it's so important i will give some information later on and um at the end of this podcast and it will also be on the written information for this podcast about where you can find more information and um, georgina has tried to explain everything in um in a few minutes but there's so much on the website and we'll put the links for that so you can dip in have a read and find out more um later on georgina yeah and there you're right there is so much isn't there there yeah, always is so much, so much. Read, but you know, that's what we are here for at GL, and there's lots of people there to support you in that journey. So if you are starting out with NGRT for the first time um, and, you know, you do need some support, then do reach out to us because that is what we're here for. Thank you, Georgina. And, and that is really helpful. And that is what GL do. I remember using GL many years ago when I was in the school um, and they've they've never changed that. <laughs> so so um, do, do check it out. Check out the website. Um, Emma question for you if you um, don't mind please and we're going to have a bit of an SEND focus now and I want to know about how standardised SEND assessments are used and what is the priority in the spring term? It's an interesting question. Um, I think I might take one step back though if that's all okay. right Tiff in the first instance because I, actually in terms of sort of identification of SEND mm. um, we would always encourage our colleagues to be looking at what we'd refer to as a core data set because that's where you're going to get those early flags of potential difficulties so things like the cat four that Helen has mentioned you know as a former SENCO that was invaluable mm. for looking at sort of specific strengths and weaknesses across those uh, reasoning sets and, and really starting to unpack why that might be could that be a potential difficulty there similarly Georgina's touched on the NGRT you know yeah. the sentence completion and passage comprehension that comparison of decoding uh, and comprehension skills again could that that indicate a difficulty and uh, perhaps most importantly for some of those really vulnerable uh, SEND students the pass that gives you a sense of how they're feeling about their learning and their engagement with school and the relationships that they have so mm. we would probably expect perhaps last term that colleagues had started to really investigate and and we like to use that term triangulate sort mm. of making a comparison um corroborating that data to look at potential hypotheses of difficulties if you like to try and prove or disprove um, but and most importantly and i know uh, helen and georgina will probably roll their eyes at me when i say this it needs to be context driven you know and i, I always sort of use the term of, of context is king from a send perspective so obviously our assessments are are designed to support teacher mm. judgments, uh, but also moreover the conversations with them students who can self advocate for the difficulties they're having, engaging with parents. So capturing a sense of that data should be one piece of a, a wider conversation as a wider puzzle. Um, and, and any sort of, uh, I am coming back around to your point here, for any sort of send specific screeners that are happening um, should really be guided by all of those components. So that 
that that sort of school or co uh, core data assessment set, uh, that contextual information, and also that sort of presentation of need. So probably in term one, you know, we've captured that data, we've established and developed and maintained some really strong relationships, um, both with parents, possibly with students. If we're thinking about those primary students transitioning into secondary, maybe we've begun to have those conversations mm. with colleagues into our feeder schools and so on and so forth. Um, and then all of those things combined will help us to essentially to, 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 to define a, a battery of assessment. So there is no one sort of fixed pathway uh, for, for using SEND screeners. And, and as you'll be aware, we've got a lot of SEND screeners that are available, but yeah. part of the role that we do as uh, education advisors is to talk to uh, our colleagues in school to really understand what it is that they're looking to achieve. What are the difficulties that they are seeing commonly mm -hmm. with students and therefore what's the best fit uh, for, for a follow-up assessment. So, you know, we've got a lot of tests, things like the dyslexia screener, mm. things like um, our BPVS, which is the British Picture Vocabulary Scale, so looking at receptive language and the Wellcom, we see a lot of those being used, particularly over the last couple of years where speech and language has been so impacted, particularly for those younger learners. But even into secondary, we've got colleagues and case study examples of where those assessments are being used in those earlier years in secondary. Um, so at that stage, then, you know, when you start to use those assessments, you can really unpack the strengths and challenges mm -hmm. for each individual student and address those accordingly and meet those needs through those evidence based interventions. Um, but essentially, you know, I suppose from a spring assessment perspective, if we're thinking about those colleagues in secondary and even primary as students move towards looking at their uh, SATs uh, and so on and so forth, you want to make sure that those students who might have a profile of SEND have got all the ne necessary mechanisms of support in place. So I know that secondary colleagues, for example, are going to be thinking about those uh, exam access arrangements mm. and, and, and evidencing those. Mm. And, you know, they might be using our exact, for example, mm. or, or the, uh, the portfolio that I mentioned earlier, the YARC is a, a really valuable tool. So um, in terms of, you know, circling back to your question, I think the priority needs to be very specific to the context of an individual setting and individual pupils mm. but that's very much just mentioning what Georgina said that's very much what we're here for to help uh, guide people to uh, the appropriate assessments in that regard. That's really helpful and useful Emma thank you for that and just like before all this information is on GL's website so do click on there at some point and I'll talk about that a little bit um, towards the end. Emma? Yeah, can I just mention as well, yeah. um, and I know Helen might touch on this, um, because I know you said you were going to go back to her at the end with a question, but just uh, we, we have actually got on our support site um, some really great SEND training videos that look at quite a few of our screeners. So if colleagues are thinking about what next uh, and, and are looking to sort of get a bit more context around those, those particular videos might be of real interest to them to help them to understand whether or not that's going to achieve what it is that they're seeking to, to gather information for. I think they'll be really useful. Thank you for flagging that, Emma. And um, last question then, and just to summarise, really, this is for Helen, if I may come back to you. Um, we've had information from the three of you already about um, what's available from GL assessment in terms of support. So the question I want to ask you is, 
how are you supporting schools to maximize the impact of their data and do you want to summarize as well um where there are where our listeners can get additional support and what's out there of course so firstly i think as, as you've heard several times uh, during this podcast already we do have a fantastic team of yes. teachers and senior leaders at gl who, who are there to support you so they they really understand the realities of teaching and leading schools today because they've been in the job and they're also really passionate about supporting schools to get the most from their assessments. Mm. Um, Multi-academy trusts will have a go-to education advisor that they can discuss their assessments with. Individual schools can book in with our assessment insights education advisor team for a free one-to-one data consultation. In these consultations, your education advisor would provide a guided analysis of your data and there's always plenty of time to discuss and ask questions, really unpick that data so that you leave that consultation feeling confident with the data and what those next steps might be in, in school. If you're not sure where to start, if you want to sort of cover some basics, want a refresher um, or just want to work on your own data yourself, I'd highly recommend our free online self-paced training videos. As Emma mentioned, we've got a fantastic Send mini series there. Um, but we've also got pre and post testing essentials covered for, for a lot of our assessments, which, first of all, will help guide you through everything you need to know for smooth administration of the assessments. Mm -hmm. And then in the post testing essentials, best practice on analysing and interpreting your assessment data for maximum impact. We also have some wider themes covered, such as effective use of indicators, which is really popular, really worth watch. Uh, we worked on that one with evidence-based education along with some others. Um, dashboard training will be coming soon. And in the meantime, we've got plenty of supporting information available on the website to help you navigate it when, when you first start dipping in. Um, and we're keen to get customer feedback on that as well. So please do send that in uh, once you've had a look. If you're brand new to GL, thinking about where you can go for, for more information, head to our main site, that's gl-assessments.co.uk. Um, if you're already using our assessments, head to our support site, support.gl-assessment.co.uk. Um, if you're looking for training videos, just head to the training area within that support site. And if you're looking for a data consultation, you can book these via the support site too. Just look for assessment insights. Again, really useful. Thank you very much to Helen, to Georgina, and to Emma for your time today. Um, I hope it's been useful for our listeners. There's lots more in the pipeline from GL in 2023. And I know this because I chat to them regularly, including a blog that will be on ASCO website in the next few weeks that looks at some of the issues and concerns coming from primary and secondary school leaders when it comes to maximizing progress with their pupils, students and young people and what GL are doing to support those school leaders in the future. And that's with me. Tiff Harris as well. So have a look at that. Um, check out their website, even if you just Google GL and find out what they do. They're so lovely and they're so helpful. And they've got so much on there that's um, that's complimentary before you've even joined GL. So I hope it's been useful for you today. I look forward to doing another primary podcast or a leadership podcast very soon. And I hope you will join me then.
Take care, everybody. The Askell Primary Leaders Podcast with Tiff Harris.